One of the questions that um, I'm sometimes asked is, how did you know, Dale, that you were called into the ministry? And the way that I answer that question is I have to go back to my childhood to about the age of six. Uh, my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea in the Western Highlands, and they were the first missionaries to a large group of people who uh, were very primitive, almost stone age. And, my, and God blessed my father there and allowed him to have a very um, fruitful ministry, my dad and mom, and, and uh, we lived amongst the people. And my dad built a little house for us to live in up on stilts, and next to it he built this uh, little deck, this little porch and steps. And it was the place that my dad oftentimes in the evening would gather with various pastors that he was training and leaders. And they would talk about God and they would talk about church and they would talk about reaching people for Christ. And I would always try to join my dad on that porch and I would listen into the conversations. And on this particular day, I was there listening as they were talking about a group of people beyond the mountain range, which could be seen in the distance, who had not yet heard the gospel and needed somebody to bring that word to them. And I was so engrossed in that conversation that uh, suddenly I just blurted out, I will go. And I meant it with all the seriousness that a six-year-old can muster up. I was ready to go. It was a done deal. If they could do it, I could do it. Send me with my box lunch and my, you know, my backpack and I'm off and I'm going to lead those wild people to Jesus. Of course, my dad didn't think my mother would let me go. And uh, I was unable to go. And he went and brought the gospel to those people. But something happened deep down inside of me at the age of six that uh, has really had a profound effect on me to this very day. That experience is so vivid to me to this day that it's like it happened just last night. It was so real. And I still had the feeling that took place deep down inside of me because God began to do a work in my young life to bring me to a place where I too have a desire to make Christ known uh, to people who don't know him yet. And I've always been thinking about that range of mountains and, and you know, God, when are you going to send me across that range of mountains to reach people? In fact, over the years, Marcia and I have considered uh, going into missions and at one point, actually applied to go with a mission agency. And each time, God seems to close that door for us. And it's a little bit frustrating because I've got that passion to go and make Christ known, but God has kept me in the local context. Well, of late, I've begun to see that God has not taken that passion away. He's actually increased it. But I don't have to necessarily leave the local context to have a global impact, and neither do you. And I really believe that God has called you and me together for a time such as this to be a church used by Him amongst many other churches, to be a church used by Him to make a global impact. And I've had kind of a big aha that's occurred to me. And it comes right out of God's Word, and it's found in the book of Acts where the church gets its start. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn there with me, I just want to point you to one verse, which is really a key strategy for how we can be used by God in many places at once, how we can be here and yet go across the mountain range and bring the hope of God's good news to others. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Some of you may know this verse. For others, it may be new. It is a very key and important verse, so much so that after you find it in your Bible, I could ask that we read it aloud together. <clears throat> Join me from your Bible or from the screens. Let's read it together. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I want us to kind of diagram that verse very quickly so we not only just hear it, but we, we're also able to see it, all right? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I have three strategies for my church. He's saying to those first disciples, my church starts here. And here for that church was Jerusalem, all right? And that's where he wanted his church to begin. Let me see if I get something a little bit darker. And they did. That's where the church, in a sense, was born. It was born here in Jerusalem. And Judea, which would have been like the surrounding neighborhood. But then the Lord said, I don't want it to just stay in Jerusalem. I also want you to make sure that my, churches, my church grows further out, what we would consider near. And he described that as Samaria. And so the church spread to Samaria. And then in the region around Samaria, it went kind of north to a place that we know of as Antioch, Syria. And in Acts chapter 11, we're told that's where they were first called Christians because that's where the first Gentile, non-Jewish converts uh, joined the church. And that church was very progressive. It was an exciting church to be a part of. And the church advanced. It went from being here to near. Then, out of this church, we read in Acts chapter 13, some key individuals were sent to proclaim Christ to those who were far away. Namely, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were sent out. And the church was now born and established far away. By far away, I mean Asia Minor, or what we would consider uh, being today modern Turkey. And then from there, it bridged over into Europe. So that work began here. It went near, and then it went far away. And that seems to be God's strategy that he uses. And it's certainly a strategy that we want to follow. Many other churches have followed as well. In fact... We've kind of captured this in our own mission statement, our passion. We say our mission as a church is to compel others to embrace the call of Jesus. What? Come, follow me. I'll say it again. Come, follow me. That's what life's all about. Life is about inviting people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to, and to travel, to journey with him and let him transform their lives. And so we state our vision this way. We say that our vision is is that God is calling us, calling you and me, to bring his life-transforming power, which is, which is his son, Jesus Christ, to the people who live where? Here, near, and far. One more time, where? Here, near, and far. And God can use one church to do that. I mean, obviously, he can use many churches. You and I can't be responsible for the other churches in town, But we have to be responsible for this church, our gathering, not the building, but us together in this room, in all of our services, we who call ourselves the Compass Church. God has given us the capacity to be in three places at once. Let me talk to you about how that's done. I want to start with what God is doing with the far aspect of the ministry of the Compass Church. We support over 30 missionaries, and we praise God for our global partners, and we continue to support them and encourage them. But God is bringing to us some new initiatives that are exciting. I want to tell you about them. 
You know, when the Apostle Paul was wondering where God wanted him to go, God gave him a vision. And in that vision, he saw a man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia said, Paul, come over here and help. And he took that as God speaking to him. Well, I've not had a vision like that. Instead, God has done uh, a better thing. He's actually brought the people to us, live and in person. And one of those people that came to us over a year ago is from Berlin, Germany. His name is Timo Heimlich. And uh, Timo came over and Timo said, Berlin is an international city. It's becoming one of the key cities in all of Europe. Like Ephesus was in Paul's day. Through Berlin we can, we can export the gospel to the rest of Europe. But we need to plant some key churches. Would the Compass Church be willing to help us? And that's why I went over there a while back and got stuck in the ash cloud. But um, we decided to work with Timo. We're going to be bringing a couple over from Germany. And we're going to train them for a year here. Then we're going to send them back, maybe with some of our folks as well. And we're going to help them plant a strategic church in that city. One amongst many. We've also been asked by uh, our sister organizations in Brussels and in Budapest and also in um, Prague to come and do leadership training for pastors and to help them mobilize to win their cities for Christ because those are also key cities as well. In fact, this fall we're going to host a European Leadership Summit for the Compass Church right here in October and you'll be a part of that experience and we're going to let God work in our hearts as we bring some of these folks in to visit with us gain a real heart for reaching Europe for Christ. The second person that God brought along our way about a year or so ago is a man by the name of Stephen Chandra. Uh, Stephen is from Indonesia and uh, currently lives in Malaysia and he was recruited by our movement, the Evangelical Free Church of America, to head up all of Asia, which has just a few people. And uh, he's responsible uh, on our behalf to make sure the gospel gets out there. And uh, Stephen's an amazing man. Next weekend, we're going to commission him as one of our, uh, as one of our missionaries. We're his home church. He wants us to be his home church in the U.S., and uh, then he's going to actually be with me in July. He's going to share his story. Stephen is a survivor of leukemia, nearly lost his life. And, and he's going to help me when I do the sermon on why people suffer and how to deal with suffering. But uh, anyway, uh, I went over there recently to check out an area of Asia that Stephen's asking the Compass Church to partner with him on reaching. And that is Southeast Asia, Indonesia and Vietnam. So I was a few days in Indonesia training pastors and leaders there. And as I did so, I was amazed by their level of commitment. And many of them are young leaders, young professionals. You know, Indonesia is primarily a a Muslim place. And uh, when these folks give their hearts to Christ and then go and begin to witness for Christ, they literally put their lives on the line. And what a privilege it was for me to be there and hear their stories and train and encourage them. Stephen is an entrepreneur. On his own, he has already raised up about 100 pastors and churches in Indonesia. That's why our, our uh, movement recruited him. And he's got some amazing work going on there. He started a club there called I Love to Read, where they teach uh, Indonesian children, Muslim children, how to read English. They're not allowed to use the Bible, but they're able to use moral-based stories. Their whole point is to build relationships with these kids and eventually with their parents and then have an open door to share the gospel. In one school alone, there are 400 kids coming. I visited that school. 
the power kept going out. Their generator was too small. They need a larger generator. So on behalf of the Compass Church, I said, we'll pay for the larger generator. And I imagine some of you will be going back with me in the next year or two and will help for a week in those schools teaching kids how to read and sharing the love of God and His grace. Amen? Then I went to Vietnam. And uh, Vietnam is a communist country which has recently really opened up to allowing the church to grow and, and, and Christians to witness because they want to be part of the World Trade Organization. And the WTO... Uh, for all its fault, the WTO says you can't be part of us if you have religious persecution. So in the large cities like Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City in the south and Hanoi in the north, they are letting the church kind of grow as long as it's licensed. And by licensing, it does not mean they're telling them what to preach. It just means they want to have control. And so they think, they think that if you're in a building that they're then under control. But you can witness, you can preach, you can evangelize, no problem. So I went to Ho Chi Minh City, a city of 10 million people with 14 million scooters. It's an amazing place, congested and polluted. All right, And we had an illegal meeting in a hotel where I trained 40 pastors. The government just looked the other way because they didn't want us to be seen as persecutors. right? And uh, then one evening I was invited to go to an illegal house church. Now God is doing an amazing thing in Vietnam. I can't described to you, I was overwhelmed by how many young people are in Vietnam and young married couples in Vietnam everywhere you look and they're becoming very materialistic so they're all looking for the dollar, you know, to save their lives and there are many, many who are recruited from the provinces to come and work in the factories and so God is at work amongst the people who are working in the factories and they're starting these house churches so I went to one of the house churches, you see the picture up here of uh, the gathering there it was in a little apartment the size of a, a shed that you would keep your lawnmower and your kind of tools for the lawn in. And two families were living there. One on the bottom, one climbed a little stair and had a little loft they built and was living on the top. These folks worked 12 hours a day. And after work, they gather in this home. They invite their neighbors in. They're all new converts. It's 95 degrees in there and about 100% humidity. And in their culture, you don't wear short pants. You know, you have to wear the long pants. And I was, man, I was just sweating like a dog. It was just, but you know what? I sat there and I watched these people intently listening to the gospel lesson, hungry to hear God's word. And I was so humble. I thought, who am I to ever complain again about anything? Look at their thirst for God and his word. The problem is they're all new converts. None of them have Bible training. So Stephen's trying to raise up pastors like myself to go and train and encourage them. And people like you to come and help them with their children and help them with their medical needs, etc. To make a difference, to show the love of God, not just talk about it. Then I went north to Hanoi and then a little further north to a place called Haiphong Bay. And there I taught about 50 pastors and Christian leaders. And amongst the 50 who were there were a group of people called the Hmong people. The Hmong people are tribal people who inhabit the mountains of North Vietnam, the central mountains of Vietnam, the mountains of South China, and then the mountains of Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Myanmar. The communists don't care for the Hmong people because they are more independent and they fear their revolt. And because they're kind of hidden away from the public and up in the mountains, they oftentimes are mistreated and the Christians are persecuted. And I heard many stories of pastors who disappear in the night 
because the communist officials come in and kidnap them and think they can stop the church if they throw them away in jail someplace. But the gospel is flourishing amongst the Hmong people. In 1984, a group of Hmong heard the gospel via Far East Broadcasting Company radio, heard the gospel, accepted Christ, and those people went out and started sharing what they heard, and it was like a wildfire that took off among the Hmong people. The gentleman you see us praying over on the picture behind me on the side screens is a uh, pastor who has, he's about 30 years old, who has influence over 29,000 Hmong in his village. A very key player. While he was at this conference, his wife, who was back up in the mountains and was eight months pregnant, fell and lost her baby. Word got back to him, and we gathered around him to pray over him and pray for his wife. Now, here's what I couldn't figure out. The whole time he was there, he had a look of peace and a look of joy in his life. He didn't leave to go back to his wife, but he stayed for the entire conference. And I thought, he's either in shock or denial. Something's not right here. I mean, if that happened to me or if it happened to you, we'd take the next plane, the next bus, whatever it was, to get back home and comfort our family and to work through the grief. So I asked some of the key leaders, I said, what's the matter with Pastor Fu, P-H-U? And uh, they said, um, nothing's the matter with him. I said, well, is he in shock or denial? I mean, he just, just lost his baby, and, he's, and he's, he's staying here, and he seems to smile. He seems okay. And they looked at me as though something was wrong with me, and they said, that's his faith. His, and I, I talked to a woman in particular who knew him, and she said, his wife is the same way. They're okay. It, this is painful. It hurts. But they are so committed to God and to his work, they know that God has a plan and purpose, and he does not want to miss the opportunity to get more Bible training and teaching. And I'll tell you what, man, I was reduced to, to just tears and just brokenness when I saw that heart and I saw that commitment for Christ. And these are the people that we're being asked to come alongside of, to minister to and encourage. But as I told them when I left, you've done more for me than I could possibly have ever done for you. And God is at work, even in communist Vietnam. You cannot stop the gospel. Amen? So we're talking about ways to come alongside and help them. In fact, I just got an email from one of the ladies I was working there with. She and her husband sold their business in California, the Vietnamese, to go back to Vietnam and work with the Vietnamese people. They were bitter after the war, said they would never go back. Isn't God have a sense of humor? And uh, God has sent them back. And uh, she was telling me about an island that has been forgotten. And they've rediscovered there are 300 lepers there who get no medical care and who don't have the gospel. And their whole passion now is to reach these lepers on that island as well as the Hmong people. And uh, you and I may become a part of that process with them. That's what's happening far away. Let's talk about what God is doing near through the Compass Church. We have decided that we want to reach places where the gospel is, is not penetrating. And the most unchurched region in North America is British Columbia. It actually starts from Northern California and goes all the way up that coast. And so uh, at Christmas, we decided to partner for the next three years with a man by the name of Barclay Mayo, a pastor there, to plant a church in a city called Squamish between Vancouver and Whistler. Squamish is a city uh, that's very pivotal in that region. It has 17,000 people and less than 500 go to church on a weekend. Take these two sections right here that seat just over 600 people and imagine 
you could fill these two sections up with all the people in that city of 17,000 people who go to church on any given weekend. So he's up there trying to plant a church in a hostile area filled with the occult and filled with native kinds of worship. He's trying to reach the people and he's going at it by trying to reach those who are in need by starting a food co-op. They recently launched their first uh, worship experience and he sent me this email. It says, we're blessed to have seven people about what we expect from those who committed to come. There's a reporter in their midst and he wrote an article for the local newspaper about us which was also helpful. A local cable network was asked to interview us next week. One of the other pastors noted that we have had more media attention in two months than the rest of them have had for years. None of it was solicited, so the Lord must be making it happen, because we sure aren't. Progress is very slow for an impatient guy like me, but God is in charge, and we are gaining ground one person at a time. We'll be having monthly worship through the summer and weekly fellowship meetings. We're also running an alpha course, which is an outreach course, uh, at a local coffee shop with an average of six in attendance. So it may be slow, but God is gaining one person at a time, and you and I are investing there, and we hope to actually go next year and help them run a vacation Bible school and reach out to the poor in their community. A team of us will go there. We're also partnering with some missionaries of ours, Mark and Meg Custis in Costa Rica, who have a ministry to Nicaraguan refugees. Some of you have already been there. God is doing a tremendous thing through their lives and ministry, reaching kids and young people. So that's some of the things that are happening near, not to mention some of the other projects that we have going on. And we want you to get your hands dirty. But I want to talk about here. Because what happens is a lot of churches focus on near and far, but they they neglect their own backyard. And God's calling us to be a witness here as much as he's calling us to be a witness far away. And what God's been showing me, based on my experience as a child, is that, you know what? God's saying to me, Dale, I need you to be faithful here. If you're faithful here, I'll use you near and far. God can use us in three different places. So we spend an awful lot of time trying to be faithful here. And I think because we have been faithful here, God is opening these doors for us. You've got to practice what you preach, right? You've got to be willing to do what you fund and help others to do in other places. So here at the Compass Church, we've realized that we've maxed out. And that we're kind of limited in our sphere of influence. We talked about, amongst our leadership, about church planning, but we decided against it because it has a high rate of failure. We've adopted a different strategy called multi-siting because it's a high rate of success. Say, what is a multi-site church? Well, if you haven't heard, a multi-site church is a concept of one church, okay, in many locations. In this case, it's one church, and we are starting other compass churches in various locations near and around us. I can't draw. It looks like Chinese. All right? No offense to my Asian brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? But uh, that's what we're trying to do. All right? We're trying to establish these churches around the neighborhood, so to speak. We're excited about it. What keeps it one church is that there's one messenger or message, one doctrine, obviously the same teaching, preaching, uh, one elder board, one budget, okay, uh, becomes very, very important, and uh, one messenger, and message just going out. And that's what keeps it unique. One centralized staff keeps it unique. And we send a campus pastor out to each site 
to kind of shepherd that and keep it organized and care for it, minister and lead the staff that's at work at that particular campus. We've chosen where we're going to go already. We've now said already to you, we're going to be meeting at the Crone uh, Middle School at the corner of 111th and 248th in Southwest Naperville, uh, Plainfield, Oswego, Bolingbrook area. All right, that's where it's going to start. And uh, we're looking actually at purchasing 25 acres right across the street from the school. We've negotiated the price. It's cool, all right? But we're working on, of all things, dirt, the management of the dirt there with the engineers. Once that's all settled, we're going to come back to you, give you the details, let you pray and discuss it, and then vote to purchase it. We can absorb it in our current budget. We'll be okay with that. And then probably within the next six months, we'll do a capital campaign and build our first building there within the next two years. It's exciting stuff. There are many people who are out that way who don't go to church, and we want to be there for them. You say, well, aren't there other churches out there? Yes, there are some out there, but there's not a, a church in that immediate vicinity that's really, you know, making things happen by God's goodness and God's grace. And I can't be responsible for the other churches, but I know we have to be responsible for what God's called us to do. Now, one of the questions that's been coming up is this. Are you going to be live? I hope to be alive in October. Yes. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Here's how I answer that question. All right? If you want to see Dale or the speaker live, then be here on Saturday nights because that's where the taping will happen uh, initially as we have this extended through video at the other sites. By the way, if God can use a radio broadcast to lead a few Hmong to himself who then spread the gospel, imagine what God can do when we make you know, our video available, our high-def uh, video available at the different campuses. God doesn't need a person there. He needs the word there. Now, on Sundays, it'll go something like this. For instance, we're going to play like the Where's Waldo game, except it would be Where's Baldo, okay? All right? And um, the way we're going to do that is, for instance, I might speak here live at 930, and then at the campus on 111th and 248th, at the 930 volunteer service, uh, it'll be video. Then at 11, I might be live over there and video back here, and the next weekend we'll all switch around and mix it up, Okay. That's kind of the plan that we're going to go forward with. Now, with all that said, let's get, a, let's get an update. So I'm going to ask our first campus pastor, uh, Rich Sanford, to come join me up here. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. <laughs> so did you bring a cheering section with you, Rich? Yeah, apparently. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, those youths. Okay. All right. Well, listen, uh, one, one question that people have is how do you turn... How do you turn a uh, gymnasium or a cafeteria at school into a, a gathering where people can, can worship? I'm not going to say a church because people are the church, but how, I mean, how do we get out of the school feel of it to a worship setting? Yeah, well, you know, we've been talking with some of the, uh, the greatest minds in our country who work with multi-site. Uh, these people, these consultants oh, wait, we've been working school, with. That's school, right? Yep, that's, that's Crone Middle School right there. Uh, these guys are specialized <laughs> in taking churches like ours and launching them into schools like Crone Middle School, uh, taking the same level quality of, of uh, just the experience here at the Compass Church and putting that into a school. Practically speaking, we'll be turning this gymnasium into a worship center uh, by taking all of our gear every Sunday morning from this campus to the other campus uh, in trailers and trucks, uh, unloading it on wheels, pulling it all out, and setting it up every single Sunday morning and then tearing it down that afternoon. 
these guys have done this with many different churches, and it's been a smashing success, and so we're going to go ahead and, and learn from those who've done it before us and uh, travel with all of our equipment over there every Sunday. As you can imagine, then, that's a lot of stuff to do, and so we're going to need a lot of help to do it. And it's called Church on Wheels, right? That's, that's correct. the name of the company. Literally, mm-hmm. they may build the package. You go, you unload it, set it up, and fold it up, and bring it back again. Exactly. Great. Um, there are churches that have been doing this for sometimes dozens of years, you yeah. know, at, at remote settings because they can't buy land like in Hawaii. Um, how, or tell me, who's going to go help you with all this? Well, as you've already said, uh, the <laughs> campus is going to be at Crone Middle School, which is at the corner of 111th and 248th Streets. Uh, that's in the southwest corner of Naperville. There are a lot of the families in this church who live in that direction. In fact, if you live west of Naper Plainfield Road and south of 75th Street, you probably live closer to the new campus than you do to this, the Hobson campus. Um, currently, we have more than 400 children and adults signed up to go over to that site to help us launch this next fall, which is an incredible and amazing number. Uh, we've also, though, been praying for these past few months that God would raise up the leaders to head on over there to help lead the various ministries that we'll have at that site. Uh, he's been very faithful in doing that, and I'm pleased to say that we've got a few people on our, our team right now who are we're really praying and know are going to make a great impact there. We have Sandy Fiorello who's going to be leading our children's ministry as the new children's and family ministry director at the 111th campus. She has been here for the past few years serving in our children's ministry. Uh, Dave Younts is going to be going over as adult ministry director, and I'm also excited to say that we are officially searching for a student ministries director uh, to lead the junior high and senior high ministry that we will be launching with the beginning of that campus there at that site. That's great, and you you know what? I'm kind of glad you're going to take about 400 people away from here so we have more parking uh, on, the, on the weekends. But I also know that God's going to do a great thing here at the Hobson like he's been doing. So as you guys move out, others are going to move in. And I'm excited about that because, you know, it's not about this being the mother campus and that being the little daughter campus over there. It's really two equal campuses, you know, one church just in, in, in two different places. And I just want to say to the folks who are staying here at the Hobson campus, you know, we are not going to put our slippers on and uh, chill out, retire, relax, all right? If they leave, it creates room for more people to come, for this ministry to continue. And who knows how many multi-sites will start out of this campus, let alone the ones that are, are uh, online to come about by God's grace. What are some of the next steps? You know, I would say first, if you are intending to go to the new campus but have not yet signed up, we'd love for you to do that as soon as possible. There's a lot of information we'd like to give you about what's coming up this summer. Uh, Secondly, if you are interested in serving at that campus or planning on going and have not yet considered a serving role, we'd pray that you would consider that. There are going to be so many needs there. Uh, Third, we uh, have just at this Sunday able to announce our home meetings, which are coming up this coming summer. The home meetings are going to be hosted at the, fa- at the homes of six different families who have graciously offered up their houses so that we can uh, show up over there and meet about some various things. Those are going to be at the end of June through the end of July. So if you're planning on going to the new campus or still considering it as a family, we'd love for you to sign up for one of those home meetings. We'll be able to answer questions for you. you get a chance to meet the leaders and just have a good opportunity of fellowship and fun uh, getting to know those who will be heading over to the new site with you. The way that you can sign up for those, uh, all of those things, will be threefold. Uh, In your worship folders, every week, the connections card. You can check a box there that says you want more information about the 111th campus, and we'll get back to you. Uh, In your worship folders this week, you'll see uh, that there's also the information there on the six home meetings, the locations and the dates, so your family can make the best decision for yourselves as to which one you can attend. You can also log on to www.thecompass.net and click on the the link that is for the 111th campus and sign up there. Lastly, uh, myself and some of the staff who are going to the new site are going to be waiting out in the atrium. We have a booth set up out there. We'd love an opportunity to meet you. Say hi. Please stop by, and you can sign up today. 
In fact, if you have questions about the land purchase, if you have questions about the multi-site, or about the near and far, <laughs> there's my board, about the near and far uh, aspects of our, our mission, uh, folks will be out under that little gizmo you got out there <laughs> to answer those questions for you, so feel free to go out there and ask those. Um, when I was in the Philippines about uh, January this year, I had a chance to work at a church there in a place called Bacolod. And the pastor there, Pastor Joe, um, is just a unique man. Uh, he has uh, seen his church grow and flourish, and they've actually been multi-siting, all right, before it became trendy here. And I had a chance to interview him and then ask him if he would pray for us. So I want to share with you that little video. And then when he prays, if we could just bow our heads and let him pray for us. Let's watch this. Church, I am in Makolod in the Philippines here. I'm at the Ichthus Church, and I'm with the senior pastor. This is Pastor Joe Escalon. And uh, Pastor Joe, I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, I'm intrigued by the fact that you guys are multi-site. How long ago uh, was it when you did your first multi-site? Well, I would say that was about eight years ago. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. And how many services are you in now? We have 14 services. 14 services on how many different campuses? And about five different campuses. Wow, five different campuses. So that means you guys are very busy, right? Speaking a lot at these various campuses. You can say that way. <laughs> and in your in this church, Ictus, are you folks seeing uh, converts coming to Christ? Uh, not in fact. That's our uh, emphasis now. Right. A great percentage of that are converts. Right. Uh, oh, for example, you start with a group of 20, 25, and then you start from there, everything is covered. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate your ministry, brother, and you've been an inspiration to our congregation, and one of the reasons why we're going multi-site as well. So oh, thank you very Lord, much. <laughs> Would you pray for us? Would you pray for our congregation? Sure. Lord, we thank you even for the ministry that you have given Pastor Dale and the church. We ask, dear God, that you will continue to bless them, even as they have gone through this pathway, dear God, of having a multi-site. We know, dear God, that you will bless them, that you are, all, you are going to open doors of opportunities for them. Lord, we pray for more leaders to rise up, to take the challenge, dear God, and be there on the front lines, Lord. And we pray, dear God, that you will just touch each and every one of those leaders that you are going to call. And so again, I ask for more of your blessings, Pastor Dale, to the church, the Compass Church, dear God. And Lord, we look forward to your great blessings upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't that cool? We got a guy in the Philippines praying for us, huh? In fact, they, uh, they gave me one of their shirts and made me an official adopted son of the church, which just was an incredible privilege. And I'm looking forward to when he comes and visits us and we'll give him a compass shirt and adopt him as well. And, you know, it's just so exciting to me to see how God is bringing this vision together and allowing us to be a church that can be here and make an impact near and also far away. And I hope you want to be part of a church like that. I hope that you want to be part of this movement that God is, has been working on for over 50 years and, and has so much more that he wants to do with. There are three specific things I'm going to ask you to be doing in the days ahead. One is prayer. We need to pray, pray, pray. We'll be having some prayer initiatives that you'll be hearing about soon when we offer those come and pray. Secondly, participate. If you go to the new campus, participate over there. 
If you're staying here, please step in the gap as people leave and, and participate and lead and work and serve. I've asked Pastor Rick, our, our missions director, and our uh, adult director, Steve Maddowick, to create a menu of, of short-term opportunities near and far that we want to offer all our life groups in 2011. We want to give you places where you can actually go near and far and, and show God's love. You can teach, you can do medical work, you can serve, you can read with kids, you can love on kids, you can take care of the poor. We want, we want to become a truly compassion-oriented church. And I'm going to need your help to do that because, you know, we've been kind of locked into the Bible study teaching mode for a long time. And we're not going to stop that, we're going to continue it. We've really got to ramp up the whole serving mode, the whole compassion mode, here, near, and far. Amen? And then partnership, we want you to partner financially as the opportunities come in order for us to be able to put the dollars to work and see hearts and lives change. Because someday our Lord's returning. And the question is, will you and I be willing to go before he comes and make the way by making his good news known? Let me close my part of the service with one last story. The girl behind me on the slides and on the side screens, her name is Do, D-O, and she is Vietnamese, and she was a very uh, strong, practicing Buddhist until Jesus encountered her one day. And she heard the gospel, and she gave her heart to Christ. But when she gave her heart to Christ, she had a price to pay for it. Her family, who are Buddhists, ostracized her. In fact, her brother beat her. And then her village turned their back against her. Now, if that were you and me, most of us would wash our hands and be done and say, I don't love my family anymore. They don't love me. I don't love this village anymore. Look how they've treated me. She's had her hair pulled. She's been slapped, kicked, thrown around. And she's only 28 years old. But you know what? Instead of, sh- instead of responding in a hostile way to the way she's been treated, she's gone repeatedly back to her family and repeatedly back to her village where she's been beaten and persecuted because she wants to make Christ known to them. And she's led five of her sisters to Christ. When you... S- yeah. When I, when I stand in Doe's presence, and she's very petite, when I stand in her presence... I feel like I'm in the presence of God. I feel like I'm in the presence of a modern-day apostle. Because, you know what? She's all about making Christ known. Her spirit, her, her spirit is joyful, but it's also so serious. You see, she's counted the cost to go back and to make Christ known. Will you and I count the cost to make him known here, near, and far? Will you and I be willing to go? Let's stand this morning and let's, let's sing that song again that talks about the willingness to go. And let's listen and let's sing from the depths of our hearts.